Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. I'm Zach. And I'm Darcy. Did you know that pornography doesn't have to destroy you or your marriage? We're the parents of eight active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we love to help people just like you. We're here to share hope and healing as we take you through our journey and the journeys of our amazing clients to greater joy and love. Come grow with us to a happier, more meaningful life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Self Mastery Podcast. Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another beautiful Mastery Monday here on the Self Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Spafford. And today I've got Darcy. Hi. Hey, welcome. Thanks. And you're so we're putting these all on YouTube. So this is your first time on the YouTube. And I um, I put my last one on the YouTube. And now this one's going to go on. This is your first time on. And you're yes. excited about this. Not at all. Not- but that's okay. <laughs> so this month, we're doing a webinar for those of you who want help overcoming pornography. If you're listening to this podcast and like what you hear, take the next step. Come to our webinar. It's going to be on April 20th at 7.30 Mountain Time. And there's going to be a link in the show notes. Or you can just go to zackspafford.com slash free call. Super easy. So the seed for today's podcast came from a guy, from a post uh, that a guy named Chris Heap put up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that post, he he was basically equating success to the way that an auction happens. Mm-hmm. And everything that we do has a price. And in order to achieve the desired results in our lives, we have to be willing to cover the cost. And we pay for those costs in a variety of different ways. We pay money, time, energy, effort, discomfort, commitment, willingness. And I think some of those, they're like synonyms, but I think they have, you know, a variety of connotations, but whatever you want to call it, it doesn't really matter. You and everyone, you know, pays for what you get. So Darcy, your family comes from an amazing history of auctioneers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw this post and I was like, okay, we totally should do a podcast on this. Um, Mostly because as I was growing up, my dad would always run the auctions that occurred at like the elementary school, you know, when PTA was trying to fundraise money, they would always ask my, my dad to do it because my dad grew up in an auctioneering family. So when I saw this, I was like, oh my gosh, we should do this since yeah. I totally know what an auctioneer looks like and have <laughs> what a real auction looks yeah, like and, not, and experience it TV. firsthand a lot. So, yeah. So what are some of the cool things that your dad um, has auctioned off or has been auctioned off by his family? Yeah. So my, my grandpa on my dad's side started an auctioneering business and he was a pretty successful auctioneer. And then he had four sons. My dad happened to be one of them. And so my dad started, you know, when he was right out of college or when he was young, him and my mom got married really young. So uh, he started in the family business, but my dad realized quickly that there wasn't quite enough to go around with four brothers and my grandpa. So my dad did end up leaving the auctioneer business. That's not what he did. But while he was in he was it, an executive for yeah. a giant lighting company. Yeah. 
that's what he ended up doing. But while my dad was doing auctioneering, um, they auctioned off Helen Keller's house. And so my parents have some, um, what Pretty would you cool. call them? I, don't <laughs> I was going to say artifacts, but artifacts. Yeah. Is that, that's yeah, the right word. I don't know. Right. Um, so they have this big like tiger painting that hangs um, in their front room. And then they've got some like ivory carvings. And Stuff that was hers, but that yeah. you wouldn't necessarily think, you know, this was hers. Yeah. But it's kind of cool because I always grew up going, wow, this was Helen Keller's. That's kind of crazy. Um, another one they did was. Um, if you don't know who Helen Keller is, she was a deaf blind person who uh, at some point learned how to speak. She was like a wild woman in the early part of her life. And then she was taught by somebody how to sign and something. and then write. And she, so she became like a famous person in the yeah. early part of the I'm like, sure 19th century. I'm pretty sure everybody knows who Helen Keller Maybe, is. I, don't know. I know who Helen Keller is, yeah. I would think. You only, but. I think you only know who Helen Keller is because your parents auctioned off no, your debt. we have books on her. Okay, but that's true. Anyways, and they also auctioned off um, the owner of Revlon, so his estate. Yeah. So kind of cool. Anyways. Yeah. So, in the, so in their work as auctioneers, how did that work? Just give everybody a, like a, a taste of it when I was a kid and my dad would run the auctioneers auctions, I guess, for the PTA, there would be like a basket that someone donated. And then he would take up the basket. He would hold it up. He kind of give a like brief summary of what it is. And then people would start bidding and he always started the price really low. And so in the beginning, there were like tons of hands. Everybody was bidding because everybody wanted that basket that was worth $200 for $10. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say 20, but, 20. Okay. Right. And so as the price went up less and less people were willing to pay the cost for the item. Now there were some items that there were people that really wanted it, even though like the perceived value wasn't what they were even like, they were willing to pay more than what the actual value of the item was. So that was always interesting. Yeah. Well, so we did that. We so we did an auction uh, here in, in the ward. Remember a couple of years mm -hmm. ago, and one of the young women was baking cookies. That was the <laughs> item that she offered, and I, I think people thought that they were going to go for like twenty or thirty bucks, and like she was going to bring cookies every single yeah. month on Fast a Sunday. Dozen. Yeah, yeah, a dozen, dozen cookies, cookies every single month. And I was for like, a year. For a year, I'm like, that's worth at least ten bucks a month. Yeah. And so me and this other uh, brother in the ward. I kept bidding and he thought he was going to get it for a song. And I was like, Nope, more, more. <laughs> I just, and I just kept bidding well, it because up. We, you were asking me, okay, well, how much would butter cost and how much would a bag of chips yeah. cost? And then, you know, and then the time, and so, to bake and then it. The time and yeah. So. so it was worth 10 bucks to me to get somebody to drop me a dozen cookies every week. And they were delicious. They were amazing. Right. Yeah. And I think that's how most auctions go at some point. The, as the price goes up, fewer and fewer people put the money down. They Fewer and fewer people are like, well, I, I'm not willing to pay that much. The cost of getting the thing is too much. Mm -hmm. And, the and typically at the end, there was always like just one, a handful of people yeah, one or two, maybe three, that were willing to pay that cost. Yeah. And they would just like keep, you know, they just kept going and going. And, and then the item would go so much higher than most of the other people dropped out right. well before it got to the final price of what it truly cost to have that basket of goodies. Yeah. 
Right. And, and the less people are, so once you get to a certain point, doesn't matter what it's worth. Some people aren't willing to pay that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I think what really happens, I mean, this is why people like auctions, right? People like auctions because the true value of the item is revealed based on the amount that the people who are bidding are willing to pay. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that has, I think a really important correlation in our work in the work that we do, people come to us and they tell us that they have a pornography addiction. It happens pretty, pretty regularly. Yeah. Last week I did a post just saying, Hey, you know, if you have a spouse or you yourself struggle with pornography, do you believe that you're addicted? Mm-hmm. And, um, about 80% of the people said, yes, they believe either they or their spouse are addicted to porn. Yeah. And you know, last so last week's episode, last week's podcast episode was on why I don't like using the term pornography addiction. But, you know, the truth is the people come to us and that's what they say to us. So, you know, we're obviously we're happy to meet people where they are and, and we'll keep pushing in that direction as best we can. So we, we don't want you to run away if you think, oh, I'm addicted and these people don't believe I'm addicted. Please don't run away. That's not what we're at. Um, in a way, you know, that's really the opening bid. The, the talking to us, the saying, Hey, I have a problem is the opening bid, you know, listening to our podcast. Yeah. I think that listening to the podcast is the opening. Bid. That's the opening bid. Yeah. Because I, mean, I think once you get to talking to us or coming to a webinar, right. That's like the next bid. Yeah. And then it's, you know, meeting with either Zachary and doing a consult, like that's another bid, right. It's like, yeah. it's how much effort are you willing to put in to, getting the to where result, you want to yeah, be the result you're looking for when we talk to people that you know they want to know what it's actually going to take that's mm-hmm. that's another part of it right so part of it is just you know saying i have a problem part of it's listening part of it's having the conversation but another part of it is what is it going to take they ask that question and you know the first conversation it's a pretty low bid uh even listening to the podcast it's pretty pretty low bid you know what's the cost of a conversation basically nothing right it's mm-hmm. just your time whatever that costs and you know darcy and i we love speaking to people and we love sharing our story and we do it for free we've done fifth sunday lessons and zoom meetings and uh, you know like the one that i mentioned earlier we've done firesides and in everyday conversations we talk to kind of sometimes random people and they we got what was it Costco? Somebody like came up to us and like she came up to Darcy and she's like, Are you Darcy Spafford? <laughs> like just random people having conversations because they're impacted by pornography in their life and they want help. They want to solve this problem. And in each of those conversations, I think we find a little bit of amazingness. And I think it elevates the awareness and I think it elevates the possibilities for each person to a new level. And every time Darcy does a fireside uh, or speaks in a Sunday school class, she just lights up and is just excited more for days. That That's kind of the funnest thing to see. She's never spoken in church, like from the pulpit ever, but she'll Her do story. it. She, <laughs> yeah, but she <laughs> loves it. Like all of a sudden she's like, I love talking at church. Uh, and that's kind of awesome. And I think we get immense joy out of this. Don't you think? For sure. I, I love do. it. And we want you to get immense joy out of the work that we do as well. So we would like to talk about what, what's the cost? What does it take to overcome pornography? Uh, if you think back to the auctioneer, you know, only those willing to pay the price receive the prize. And I think that's true in commerce, you know, regular old, just going to the store and buying stuff. 
as much as it is in our emotional and our mental lives. Um, if you, if you want something, you have to pay the price. A contractor like an auctioneer often puts out bids uh, to see what people are willing to pay to get their place remodeled. And I think remodeling pornography out of your life is like remodeling your home, looking, you know, the first thing you got to do is you got to look around, see what's there, see, decide what you like and what you don't like and figuring out, you know, what it's going to take to, you know, make my life look the way that I want it to look. What we've done is we put together a cost sheet. Maybe you could call it an itemized bid of what it will cost to remodel pornography out of your life. So the first thing is becoming aware of problematic patterns. Uh, we do this in a lot of ways uh, with our clients and we just start by creating a bit more awareness. We help them figure out what is starting this and how is it going all the way through to pornography? Like, where do I start? Why do I go all the way to pornography? Um, what does that look like? what different ways do, do the, the patterns begin? So, you know, it might start with a thought, it might start with a sensation, it might start with a number of different things. And then number two is how to intervene in those patterns. So being aware of the pattern is not necessarily like, <laughs> I could, my, I have a brother, okay? So this brother, he had an ingrown toenail that was pussy and disgusting and bleeding. And like, you looked at it and you wondered, why haven't you solved this problem? He was aware of it. He knew it was there. He just didn't do anything. Well, I mean, I think that comes back to what price are you willing to pay? Like yes. he wasn't willing to take the steps to, to take care of his toe. Right. Obviously. Yeah. Until, until my mom was like, we're going to the hospital right now. Yeah. <laughs> it was gross. Uh, right. So learning how to intervene in those patterns and actually start the process of deconstructing the patterns. The next thing is building new patterns. Once you, you know, inter, you know, know the pattern and see the pattern and start to intervene in the pattern, even if you do that, that doesn't necessarily negate the fact that you don't have, like, you have to have a way to deal with that stuff. Building new patterns um, and starting the process of putting things into place that will allow you to not just have to fight with your pornography struggle, but there will be an automatic process to manage that. So one of the things that I had to learn when it came to patterns was I had to realize that when Zach would tell me things that I didn't like to hear, I had to be willing to hear those things versus just react or reject what he was saying, whether it was- Or get mad at me. Yeah, whether, you know, and that didn't even have to be like pornography. It could be like that he had a really hard day at the office or it could have been- um, another example just like how he was feeling right like if he was feeling down like I instantly would typically get anxious because I was like oh no I know what's coming like he's not feeling good I know that I know where this goes right because I was very aware of his patterns yeah and I think you know for the person who's struggling with pornography I think it, it, it could be helpful to ask your spouse, like, do you notice any patterns, right? Because sometimes other people see things that we don't see. Another cost of eliminating pornography from your life is losing the unwavering validation that, that pornography provides. Something that has really been occurring to me or that has occurred to me in the last couple of months is that pornography never says no. It always says yes. And there is this validation in that. And really to let go of pornography, you have to let go of the validation that comes from pornography. 
you know, you have the good feelings that come from arousal. And I think that's part of it, but this is a little bit more subtle. And I think it's a little bit beyond the arousal. And I, I still think it's really important and key to this process is saying, you know, even though this will never say no to me, I don't want it in my life. Well, I think it was JFF that talked about this. She said that that like the the women's faces in pornography are always like they're aroused, they're excited, they're I want you. Like they're yeah. they're they are like performing for you, yeah. right? And so that feels like, oh yeah, this feels good. And and she talked about how even in just advertisement, like if you look in advertisements, like the women always have this like suggestive face on yeah. because that's exciting to people. Right. And, and that validation is so intoxicating. It's not just, I don't think porn is just about the arousal. I think it has a lot to do with the intoxicating nature of this never say no reality. Mm -hmm. The next thing is enduring the real emotions that we feel. One of the things that we are doing when we use pornography or we go and we engage with overeating or excessive shopping or any of those things is social media. Social media is we are avoiding our real emotions and to give up pornography. One of the costs is you have to be willing to endure those real emotions and, and, and actually live through them. Uh, another thing that we have to do. So number six on the list is openness about who we really are. And we go in depth on this with a, a lot of our clients, because one of the major issues that, clients deal with and that I dealt with is not being willing to share who I am with Darcy. That's a really hard thing because when we share who we are, when we're really open about who we are, there is a huge possibility of rejection. Like the reality there is that somebody's going to say no to you. And it's like, it, it's pretty wounding. The next thing that you have to be able to do is be willing to be uncomfortable. And I guess these are not really in order. Cause I think you might, you probably have to be willing to be uncomfortable before you actually endured those real emotions. So what are the, what are the discomforts that we feel loneliness, inadequacy, feeling unloved, wanting to feel loved and not just needed. Um, so we did a little bit of a poll and these are some of the big things that people pointed out that were the reasons why they turned to pornography. So we have to be willing to just start. We have to start by being willing to endure these feelings and then actually endure them. So those are two different, uh, two different levels. Then number eight here is letting go of covert contracts. So if you haven't read the book, no more Mr. Nice guy by Robert Glover. And you want to make sure you, if you look this up on <laughs> yes. Amazon, you want to make sure you put Robert Glover. By Robert Glover, you don't want to know what the rest of that would would <laughs> come out as. Yes. Right. He goes into depth in, on this. And, you know, we dive into this with a lot of our clients uh, because covert contracts are something that they use. Not everybody does, but a lot of clients use these covert contracts. So a covert contract, if you don't know what it is, is essentially uh, when when we do something for our partner in an effort to obligate them to do something for us, especially when that hasn't been agreed upon by the other partner. And when you are the, when you're on the receiving end of a covert contract, that feels like garbage. Mm -hmm. That's how we've, we've had that, right? This has gone both ways. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just as guilty as this as you were Yeah, guilty. So, so in what ways do you think you were guilty of it? Oh, well, for me, I would be like, well, I mean, if I have sex with you, then <laughs> yes. I expect you to do X, Y, Z or, yeah. 
you know, especially if it was, I didn't really want it. And I, but I was just like, fine, whatever, you know, I still was like, you would use it to obligate me to things and I would do other things to obligate you to have sex with me. So, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what you're looking at. And then finally, um, and, and and this I, this probably isn't an exhaustive list, but these are the first nine that we came up with. And uh, I think they're a really good set of nine that if you will work on these, you'll start making a huge, huge impact in the, what's going on with you. Um, and the last one that I have here is learning new methods of emotional management. So dealing with your urges, dealing with those uncomfortable feelings, uh, dealing with sensations. So those are all, I think, different categories of the ways that we uh, are driven or tempted to engage with our misery stabilizers, which is like viewing pornography or excessive shopping or eating. And along these lines, like we always say to our kids, Hey, if you keep doing the same things, you're going to get the same results. Yes. Well, so I mean, everybody, yeah. everybody and their mother has heard that one, right? Yeah, That's but, not new to, but we, news I to know, anybody. But we say that all the time with yes. our kids. Oh, like yes. if, if you want to achieve something different, then you're going to have to do something different than yes. what you're currently doing. Totally. And, and these nine things, like I said, they're not exhaustive, but they are, I think, a good indicator of what price you're willing to pay. And if you're not willing to pay the price for any of these yet, that's totally okay. You don't have to, you don't have to feel like, oh, I got to pay all this right up front. Start with one. Do that until you're good with it. Because the more you do any individual one of these, the more likely you are to get good at it and be ready for the next one. I, you know, if you look across our journey, I was not good at any of these for a long time. And in not being good at any of them, I didn't, I felt like I was supposed to be good at them already. Like you become an adult, you get married, you have your first kid, whatever stage of life you're at, you're like, I'm already supposed to be really good at all of these things. And the truth is you're not going to be great at any of them. You're going to have to take time and do the work. It's going to take some time, start with one do the next one practice. That's why, that's why like in my program, when, when I do individual coaching with somebody, I don't meet with them every week. I meet with them every other week because I want them to do work in between time. Cause if they're not doing work in between time, guess what? <laughs> You're not going to get as much out of it. And if you don't get as much out of it, you don't succeed as, as well. And that's, that's really the work that we do is I want you to succeed. I want you to have this growth in, in terms of you getting from point A to point B and that's what Darcy and I love to see, but it's not going to happen without you doing the work. And, and um, you don't have to be good at it all at the beginning. That's, that's why you have a coach. That's why you have somebody help you learn things. That's why we do this podcast. So you can learn things and do, do like little steps all along the way. And I love that. I would say for me, I had to learn all of this along with him. Yeah. Because the truth is, is that just Zach stopping looking at pornography was not going to change the the dynamic between the two of us. I had to do the work on my end because if, if I didn't, then he would just, you know, have gotten to where he was. Let's just say I didn't change at all. And he was amazing and did all this work himself and just was like amazing. And I just stayed the same. Was amazing. I am. (laughs) (laughs) Then I, I would have just found something else to take that place. It wouldn't have been pornography. It would have been that, you know, he didn't clean the windows the right way or like load the dishwasher. Like that's just how it is. It's, it's, it's really more about changing the dynamic between the two of us to create the result that we're looking to create in our marriage versus just 
hey, you stop looking at porn and then all of our problems will be yeah. better and life will just be perfect now. Well, and I think I think I could have stopped looking at porn and not done any of these things. And you could have not done any of these things. Like we could have eliminated pornography as a problem in our marriage and we would have just gone and gotten a new problem. Like I would have like ate more or whatever it is. And it wouldn't have solved the real relationship. It wouldn't mm-hmm. have helped our real relationship grow. So I think there's two there, right? It's, I could have done all of these things. And if you hadn't done the work, then, you know, you would have found something else to be upset about with me, or we could have just eliminated pornography altogether. And then we both would have moved on to another thing and you still would have been upset and I still wouldn't be happy with who I was. Yeah. And that's, I think those are big differences in the way that we coach because when a part, you know, the partnership works on this together, it makes, it makes the problem not just go away. It makes everybody in that relationship better. And that's really key to growing your relationship to the place where you want to be and you enjoy each other. Like I like her more now. I like you more now than I've ever liked you before. Yep. And I'm grateful for you. I know. I just that <laughs> just turned into like testimony meeting there for a second where like somebody that Oh, do you I, have tears in I, your eyes? I'm cry. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. Hey, this is on video, man. I know everybody's watching me. Uh, and then there's me. I'm like, this is awkward. There's a camera in my face. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, you're funny. But we love you guys, and that's why we, this is why we do it because we love you and we want you to have the relationship that we have. We want you to have something so much greater than what you were given in the beginning of your relationship, you know, because your parents taught you how to behave. And we want to help you grow past that to the point where not only are you um, eliminating pornography, but you're really living a life that you enjoy living with your partner, which mm-hmm. is huge. And I, we're, we're looking forward to meeting you and helping anybody out there solve this problem. All right, you guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Every day, Darcy and I work with amazing men and women to remove pornography from their lives and relationships. If you're ready to take the next step in your journey, let us help you. Sign up for a consult at zackspafford.com slash workwithme, and you can set up some time for you or your spouse to meet with me or with Darcy, and we can help you get started on your Self Mastery journey. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link and... If you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.